<clears throat> Good to see you. Uh, excited that we get to be in church together. My name is Jason, by the way. I'm the pastor here, and uh, it, it's an exciting day for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, one that I'm most personally proud of is uh, this Tuesday. I have a brand new book that's coming out called Daily Faith, and uh, I'm excited about that, and, and you're a part of that. The, what I did is um, this book is 101 Stories and Devotions that will help you connect with God, and you are a part of these stories and these devotions, and as we over the years have learned about God together and the Bible together, and so I wanted you to have a free copy, and so uh, when you leave today, make sure that every household you get a free copy. We want you to have that, um, and that comes out this week. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about that, excited about that, but then also uh, excited because our growth group signups are happening starting today. They're starting today, and... Um, we would love for you to sign up to be a part of a growth group. 18 different group options between the two locations for you to be a part of. And I know last trimester um, was record attendance for, for groups, and we'd love to keep that going. This is not just something that we say, we believe in this. I'm a part of a group. My wife's part of a group. Our, our staff's part of a group. Our elders part of a group. We believe in this. And we love what we do on Sundays We love and Thursdays. We love our services, but it's not enough. An hour, you know, a week is not enough. Uh, and so groups is just a place where you can make friends and grow your faith and your relationship with God. And we want you to do that. So you can use the app for that. Um, easy to, to sign up on the app. Or you can go to the booth in the foyer uh, set up out there. They would love to answer any questions you have. And I, I say this every uh, semester we, we launch groups that, you know, either you've never done it and you're nervous or worried about doing it. Or you have done it. You didn't like your experience and so you're not sure you want to do it again. We just want to encourage you to take that step because... Um, you know, if you don't like it, you can stop going, you know, so sign up and give it a try, and we think, uh, we think, we think you'll like it, um, and so that's happening today, and that's going to happen for the next two weeks, uh, and, then, and then groups will, will get going. We started last week a new series called Secret Success, just thought it would be a great way to start the year, open, uh, open the year, and so we, we started that last week. We are reading through the book of, or the chapter of Matthew chapter 6. Uh, together for a few weeks. And what we're learning is we're learning what Jesus had to say about living out in public, living for other people's, um, you know, praise or attention of other people. And he walks us through a couple of different ways that all of us may be tempted to try to be more public, publicly successful than we are privately successful. And so we talked last week about um, one example he gave us was about helping people who need help and giving to poor people and uh, giving in general. So we talked about that. And then this week we're going to talk about prayer because this is another example that Jesus gave. And then next week we're going to talk about fasting, which I would love for you to be uh, at that service because it's going to be a good time together. So this week uh, we're going to talk about prayer, about prayer. If you have a Bible, there should be one around you underneath the seat in front of you or around you in a seat there. We are going to be in Matthew 6. There's a sermon guide. Hopefully you got when you came in. You can grab that. There's page numbers on there, and we'll read some verses together in a few, in a few moments, okay? Several years ago, uh, Andrea told me that she was having some, some, uh, some girls spend the night at the house on a Friday night. We used to be youth pastors, and there were some girls who were in our youth group at the time, or used to be in a youth group that were going to spend the night. And so she said, hey, go do something, get out of the house, you know, get away from here. It's kind of girls' night. And uh, I'm like, okay. And I had this thought because I had recently read uh, in the Bible the story, one of the stories where Jesus had prayed all night. He had prayed through the night. And I also am very blessed to have an incredible family and, and grandparents who love Jesus, and she's passed now, but my Mima 
had told me stories where she had gone to the church that my grandfather had pastored and prayed through the night. And so when Andrea said, hey, I want you to get, get out and, and uh, give, you know, it's a girl's night, so get out, I had this thought, I'm going to pray all night. That's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to get out of the house, right? And so I'm going to go to the church on a Friday night, and I'm going to lock myself in the auditorium, and I am going to pray all night. I didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about what I would pray about all night. Uh, I think the longest I had prayed up to that point was about 30 minutes, and so I just figured I would figure it out, you know, eight hours of prayer, why not? And um, so I came to the church about 10 p.m. on a Friday night. I drove up here to the church. I came in, got some music playing, and uh, I think I got me a glass of water, and I, I came in, and I came down here to the front, uh, I think on this side right here, and I began praying. I mean, I was just jacked up on Jesus. I was so excited, and I was just enthusiastic, and I'm going to pray all night. I'm going to be you know, I'm going to go down in, you know, in the record books of all the great prayer warriors who have prayed all night. I don't think there's a record book, but I'm going to be in it. And, uh, and so I prayed about five minutes, and I thought, <laughs> I thought that I was prepared, but here's what I was not prepared for, and I should have known, and I should have thought about it, but I didn't, is that churches at night are really scary. I mean, like, terrifying, Okay. You think, like, no, it's not that bad. Trust me, it is really scary. And, um, and this is an old building. When the boiler system kicks on, it sounds like a militia is charging through the doors with guns. And so I'd been praying about five minutes. The boiler system kicks on, and I thought, I'm going to die. I, somebody <laughs> is going to kill me here. And uh, I go check outside, you know, and I'm, like, looking, and... There's nobody, thankfully, but I'm done. Like, I can't, like, I, I just feel like my life is in danger. And so I come back in, and I try to pray, but I'm, like, I can't think of what I want to pray about, and I've kind of said everything I need to say anyway. And so about 10.30 p.m., I pull back into the house, and uh, Andrew's like, what are you doing home? And I was like, I'm done. Like, I finished praying, and, um, yeah, it was about five minutes, but... You know, it's a funny story, and I laugh about it now, but that night I actually was pretty disappointed, and I was pretty frustrated with myself because it was another experience with prayer for me that was kind of a letdown. It was kind of disappointing, and I always would have these great ideas or great ambitions or great motivations. I'm going to be a prayer warrior. I'm going to be, you know, mighty prayer, and, and, and every time I would, you know, try to accomplish that or do that, I would always come away from it feeling like, I was disappointed in myself. I was convinced God was disappointed in me because, I mean, I can't even, you know, I can't even pray, you know, five minutes or ten minutes or, or whatever it is. And just always feeling like I was not praying enough or praying powerfully enough or long enough or, um, and really asking God, like, help me, God, to, to, to be a better prayer. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but, like, I want my prayer life to be meaningful. I want my experiences you to be with, to, to, with you to be meaningful. And I, I would be willing to bet that most of us in the room would say the same thing. Like, I, yeah, I want my time with God to be meaningful. I want my conversations with God to, to feel like they matter and that, you know, I'm getting something out of it and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not just, uh, you know, talking to the wall or, or something like that. And so if you felt that way and if you have ever thought those things or you feel those kind of feelings about prayer, I'm really excited that you're going to uh, get to hear what Jesus had to say about prayer. 
And uh, he already started us off last week just dropping a, a, an amazing truth on us about this idea of secret success. And this is what he said to us last week, that the most rewarding things we'll ever do will be the things that very few people see. That includes prayer, by the way, that, that prayer can be. And God wants prayer to be a, an incredibly rewarding experience for you. But this week, as we move into the topic of prayer in Matthew 6, he's going to teach us this truth, that if you create a place to meet God, God will meet you there. If you create a place to meet God, God will meet you there. So let's read this together. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we are going to read just two verses. If I can find it here, Matthew 6. There we go. Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6. Here's what it says. It says, when you pray. I think it's interesting Jesus doesn't say if you pray. He says when you pray. He kind of assumes you're going to be praying. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. We talked about this last week, that these guys love themselves, and they would have hype men, you know, who'd like go in front of them and be like, you know, guess who's coming, guess who's giving, you know, guess who's praying, and they would blow trumpets, literally, and just, just I mean, just getting it going for themselves, and we laugh at that, and we say we would never do that, and we don't have trumpets and hype men, but we do have social media and technology that, you know, when we do something good, it's like, does it really count if we didn't post about it, you know, and we kind of feel this pressure and Jesus says, don't pray like that. Don't take that mindset into prayer. Don't take that mindset into prayer. He says, I tell you the truth, they, um, uh, that is all the reward they will ever get. And he's going to give us the alternative. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. I love, I love these verses. I, I love them for a lot of reasons, but I think... What I love about them the most is it's another reminder that Jesus is not expecting something grand out of me. He's not applying more pressure on my life. You know, everybody in my life is applying more pressure on me. My kids' coaches want me to be there more, and my boss wants me to produce more, and my friends need to be a better friend, and, you know, whatever it is, there's all these things that I've got to do more, be more. And then Jesus says, let's talk about prayer for a second. I don't need anything from you. You don't have to do it any certain way for me. You know, this, is, this, is, this is supposed to be a rewarding experience for you. Let me tell you how to do that. And I, I love these verses, but I, I really love them in the message translation. 95% of the time, I'm going to preach out of the New Living Translation, which is the NLT. There's lots of Bible translations out there. It doesn't matter which one you get. Just read it. But, um, but I love the message translation because it just says it so beautifully. I want to read this to you. This is how the message, it says, and when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. He says, do you think God sits in a box seat? Here, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. And just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. I love this. And he says, the focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. I just love this translation of it because it uses words like quiet and, and simple and honest. This idea of sensing God's grace, it's, it's you know, to, if I was paraphrasing what we read, I would say, you know, 
the paraphrase would be that prayer is not as hard as we make it. It's not as complicated as we, we make it. And after spending, you know, 15 plus years pastoring people, walking with people through this, you know, this journey or this attempt to spend time with God, nobody has ever described it as graceful, right? Uh, they use words like hard and boring and, and, and challenging and impossible, we feel guilty for not spending more time with God or praying more, and it, it really is heartbreaking because all God wants is for you to spend time with him. That's all, and I, I want it for you as well. Like, I, I can't think of a greater, more beneficial change in your life than figuring out a place and a time to meet with God because God will meet you there. He will meet you there. And he, it will pour into you, and you will sense, sense, sense his grace. And so what do we do? How can we have those moments? In this chaotic, busy, stressful world, how can we have moments where we sense his grace? Well, Jesus, we read it, gives us four instructions for prayer. I don't know if you noticed these as we were reading through them, but he gives us four instructions for prayer. Be quiet, be alone, be simple, be honest. You can write those in on your sermon guide. He says, be quiet, be alone, be simple, and be honest. This is the way Jesus is telling people to pray. Don't make it into a, a theatrical thing. And don't just, just be quiet, be alone, be simple, and be honest. I, I, don't, I don't know that I heard a lot of people telling me to pray like this when I was trying to learn how to pray. But Jesus did. This is how Jesus said to pray. First he says, be quiet, which for me, I kind of take that for me to mean I have to have time in my life where I am disconnected from technology because the noisiest things in my life besides my children are my technology, like technology gadgets and equipment, a notification, a text, you know, whether it's the TV, whether it's Alexa, whether it's the AirPods in my ear, whatever it is, like there's always noise and, 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 and the technology side of it, they create the noise to get my attention. And so for me, if I'm really going to get quiet, I have to disconnect from all of the things in my life that are making noise. And so for me, that's a, a phone in another room, no music playing, whatever it is. I've just, I got to get quiet. And then Jesus says, be alone. And for some people, this sounds amazing. I love being alone. Go away, but don't leave me. That's kind of my life motto. And, and, but, but like, but other people, this sounds awful. You know what I mean? Like, alone? I don't ever want to be alone. Uh, and Jesus says, but, but in order to pray in a way that really feels like it pours into you and senses grace, you've got to get alone. And he tells us a specific reason why. Because if anybody else is ever around, you will perform. Not because you're a terrible person, not because you're incredibly hypocritical. It doesn't matter if it's conscious or subconscious or your motives are pure or they're not pure. If there's ever anyone around, if there's ever a camera on, if there's ever, if you ever believe that someone is watching, you won't truly be yourself. You just can't, you can't do it. This is especially true for me when it comes to prayer. You know, I... My time with God alone when it's just me and him is very informal. It's very relaxed. And I talk out loud, which is another reason I like to be alone because I'm talking out loud. And, um, but then if I'm ever around other people because I'm a pastor and they say, hey, will you pray for us? I, I pray like I don't even know where it comes from. I'm like, come on, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, 
we are here. Like, I'm, I don't even know. I don't even, I'd never say Heavenly Father, you know? And I, I, but especially because my family, all my uncles and grandparents, and they're all preachers. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's like, there's like 18 preachers in the room. And on those rare times, we're like, Jason, will you, will you bless the food? I'm like, dear God, we, we smell the aroma of the, and I'm like, huh? Because when I pray for my food, I'm like, thank you for this food, God. Thank you for providing this food. Amen. Like, that's how I pray. But when I know other people are listening or, you know, if, if somebody asks me to pray for them because they're sick, I don't feel like I can pray for them the way I pray for myself when I'm sick. Like, God, I feel terrible. Will you help me? That's how I pray for myself when I feel bad. But when it's you, I'm like, God, we are coming to you today. Like, because I know you're listening. And I'm not trying to be fake. I'm not trying to be hypocritical. But when I know that you're listening or when I know that you're watching, and you're the exact same way. And so Jesus says, you got to get alone because the only time you're ever really going to be yourself is when no one is listening or watching. So be quiet, be alone. Then he says, be simple, which is really the whole idea of this whole thing. Be simple. You ain't got to make it some big fancy thing. You ain't got to light candles if you don't want to. You don't have to memorize or recite anything if you don't want to. Just keep it simple. Don't complicate it or make it more than it is. Just keep it simple. And then he says, be honest. And this is probably the hardest one of, of all because we're not, we're not totally sure we can be honest with God. People like me tell you that you can. We're not totally sure we can be honest with God. Can I really tell God how I feel? Can I really tell God what I want? Am I allowed to want this? I had somebody recently who just had so many tragic things happen in their life, and they just kind of unloaded on me, you know, telling me how they feel about God. And I just said to them, have you told him that? And he knows what we want, and he knows how we feel, but he wants us to be honest because there's something powerful about us being honest with ourselves about what we're asking God for and praying for and wanting and needing from God. And so he already knows anyway he just asks us to be, to be honest. One of my favorite uh, quotes is, uh, is from an old Irish theologian. His name was Herb McCabe, and it's a really long passage. I'm going to read it to you because it's too good not to read, but he was talking about this idea of being distracted when you pray. This is so great. He says, people often complain of distractions during prayer. Their mind goes wandering off onto other things. And this is nearly always due to praying for something you do, you do not really much want. You just think it would be proper and respectable and religious to want it. So you pray high-mindedly for big but distant things like peace in Northern Ireland, or you pray that your aunt will get better from the flu when, in fact, you do not much care about these things. Perhaps you ought to, but you don't. And as your prayer is rapidly invaded by distractions arising from what you really do want, promotion at work, let's say, uh, distractions are nearly always your real wants breaking in on your prayer for edifying but bogus wants. If you are distracted, trace your distraction back to the real desires it comes from and pray about those. When you are praying for what you really want, you will not be distracted. And this is how he ends it. Last line of the quote this is so great. He says, people on sinking ships do not complain of distractions during their prayer. So great. In other words, he's saying, if you find it hard to pray because while you're praying, you're thinking about other things, just pray about those things. Just be honest with God. Be honest with him. Be alone. Be quiet. Be simple. 
and be honest. And Jesus says those moments when you're praying that way and, and being that way, you will sense his grace. And it really, you know, it reminds me of um, my son Solomon. He's five years old and uh, he is the first one up every day no matter what. You got a kid like this? It doesn't matter what time he goes to bed, he will be the first one up. And Solomon just wakes up at 100. I mean, he just, if he's awake, he might as well sprint. That's his philosophy. And so he wakes up and when he wakes up, what he thinks to do is find me. And so he wakes up, and he's running through the house to find me, and he, he finds me. And whether I'm ready for him or not, he just jumps up in my lap, and he sits there, you know, five or ten seconds before he decides to, you know, terrorize the world that day. And, 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 we, and we sit there, and I was thinking about that, thinking about this message because you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't wake up and say, man, I want to go talk to my dad. Let me go get my report card. He doesn't say, you know what? I want to go find my dad. Let me go recite and memorize a speech. He doesn't say, I want to go talk to my dad. Let me go, you know, find a journal and a bunch of highlighters. He just says, I want to find my dad. And then he searches for me and he finds me and then he jumps up in my lap. And it's an oversimplified explanation, but in essence, that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, listen, when you wake up tomorrow, just go find your dad. Just go find him. And when you find him, just jump up in his lap and just be, just be with him. And that's what God wants for you. That's what I want for you. Meaningful time where you experience God. But can I tell you how you do that? Can I tell you what the secret is to time with God? The secret sauce to spiritual disciplines and committed time with God. Can I, can I tell you what it is? It's routine. It's routine. And I know that's not sexy, and I know that that's not exciting, and it's way more exciting to have like a Bible fall off a bookshelf to a certain page, and it's way more exciting to feel like you saw a sign in the sky, and I get that. I'm not saying God doesn't do that, but, but, but what's way better is routine. Deciding on a time and a place where you want to meet God. And if you will create a place to meet with God, God will meet you there. Routine. What's your routine? What's your plan to hear from God? In his book, Circle Maker, Mark Batterson tells the remarkable story of a woman named Elizabeth Dabney. Mother Dabney and her husband moved to Philadelphia in 1925 to pastor a church in downtown. And the neighborhood was rough, and the church wasn't having a lot of success and momentum. And so Mother Dabney prayed and asked God to give her husband some type of spiritual victory or success to help the church have some momentum, and she felt as she was praying like God wanted her to go down to the river that was by their house the next morning at 7.30 a.m. That's how she said she felt prompted, like, that's what I need to do. And so the next morning, she went down to that river at 7.30, and when she got there, she felt as if God said to her, this is the place, this is the place. And so Mother Dabney responded to God that day by praying this prayer. She said, Lord, if you will bless my husband in the place you sent him to establish your name. And if you will break the bonds and destroy the wall of partition, if you will give him a church and congregation, I will walk with you for three years in prayer, both day and night. I will meet you every morning at 9 a.m. sharp. You will never have to wait for me. I will stay there all day and devote my time to you. Furthermore, if you will listen to my prayer and break through in the wicked neighborhood, I will fast 72 hours each week for two years. And on the days I am fasting, I will not go home and I will sleep in the church. And Mother Dabney followed through on her promise to God, and God followed through on his promise to her. 
And God did miraculous, incredible things, all because one person says, I want to get really close to God. I'm going to have a place, and I'm going to have a time where I'm going to meet God. And God met her there because it's just what she wanted more than anything else. That's what Jesus wants for you. It's what I want for you. It's time with God before everybody else in your life gets something out of you. God wants to pour something into you. And so what I want to do for the time that we have left is I just want to share with you personally how I do this. I want to share with you my routine. And I know that by doing this, I'm running the risk of, of elevating what I do as somehow better or more important than what other people do. There's lots of ways to connect with God, lots of ways to meet with God. Um, this is just the way that I do it. But I think that it is something that I, uh, I do pride myself on. It is something that I feel like is a consistent part of my life. Uh, lots of other parts of my spiritual life are not consistent, but my time with God is relatively consistent. And um, I feel like maybe the way that I could be most helpful to you would be to just explain to you how I try to do what Jesus said to do in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And um, so if we were to go to coffee or we were to go to dinner and you would say, man, I'm really, and I, this happens a lot, but I'm really wanting to spend more time with God. I'm really wanting to learn how to read my Bible. I'm really wanting to pray more. What can I do? These are the three things that I would tell you. And it's not because I needed to come up with three for a sermon or because I needed to make them sound a certain way. These are literally and actually what I would tell you because this is what I tell me. This is how I have them written down for me. This is how, the way I would say it is, this is how I want to hear God. I want to sense God, know that God is with me, and know that God is speaking to me. This is how I do it, and you can write these down on, uh, on your sermon guide. But the first thing that I would tell you to do if you're wanting to create a routine to experience God and sense his grace, the first thing that I would tell you to do is I would tell you to pick a time and pick a place and read God's word. God's word is the Bible. God's word is scripture. These are God's words. So I'm not talking about studying them. I'm not talking about researching them. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. I'm talking about simply opening up the Bible and reading the words that are on the page. You can listen to them if you want to on audio Bible. You can uh, use an app and read them on a screen if you want to. My personal preference, not because it's right or wrong or better, but my personal preference is to use a traditional kind of paperback Bible because I feel like everything else in my life is on a screen and so there's something about this. This is a nice change of pace for me. And I love flipping through my Bible and seeing like all my notes and stuff just because I feel like it's like, a, it's like a timeline of what God's doing in my life. But I just want to read the words. Whether I feel like it was magical or not, whether I feel like I got anything out of it or not, I'm just going to read the words on the page. And here's why this is important. Because the Bible is not just a book. The Bible is a living, breathing text, book, word from God. This is how the Bible describes the Bible. This is uh, the Apostle Paul in Hebrews. He says, for the word of God, that's the Bible, the scriptures, the word of God is alive and powerful. Think about your favorite book. If you have a favorite book, think about that favorite book. It's phenomenal. I love that you love it. Can I tell you what is not true about that book? It's not alive. It's not breathing. It's not moving. It's just a book, not the Bible. 
The Bible is alive and it's powerful. These words contain power. Sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, joint and uh, marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Just by reading the words of God, things begin to happen in my heart and in my thoughts and in my desires. We say it all the time around here like this, that when I read the Bible, the Bible reads me. That's what that means. That just by opening this book, you say, I didn't get anything out of it today. Even if you don't feel like you got anything out of it, something happened in the exchange because these are not just words. These are living, breathing words. This is a, this is a book that is alive. And so for me, I'm going to start my time with God, not with just prayer or a list of things that I want or anything like that. I'm going to start my time with God right here in the Bible because this is where he is always speaking. No matter what, he's, he's always speaking. And so I know that for a lot of you and a growing number of people in our culture, you say, well, I don't read. I don't like to read. Reading's not fun for me. I get that. I didn't read my first book until I was 20. I barely graduated high school. I don't know how I did it, but, you know, I impressed myself and I did it, all right? And, uh, but I, 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 I never liked to read, you know, but, but this is different. This book is different. And if you find yourself in that place, here's what I would ask you and challenge you to do is pray and be honest with God and say, God, I want to read the Bible, but I don't like to read. I think the Bible's boring. Tell God that. And tell him to help you. God, will you help me to enjoy reading the Bible? You know what he'll do? He'll help you. He will. And so for me, I just start with reading God's word. That's it. Doesn't matter if I understand it. Doesn't matter if I know what all the words mean. Doesn't matter if I can pronounce all the books. Doesn't matter. I'm going to open this book, and I'm just going to read the words on the page. That's how I'm going to start my time with God. But then the second thing that I'm going to do after I read God's word is I'm going to learn God's truth. This is the next step for me. This is the way. And I'm not talking about, like, studying for a sermon. That's separate for me. When I'm putting together a message that's different than my time with God, this is where I want to learn God's truth. This is where uh, I like to get out a pen and, like, mark up some stuff. This is where I... I like to, to maybe try to memorize or learn a couple of things because I want to know what does it mean. I'm not asking what does it mean to me because depending on what I had for dinner last night, it could mean a lot of things. You know what I mean? Like it could, I could be totally off my rocker and think that God is saying, you know, I read the story of David and Goliath and I think, you know, I think what God's saying is I need to go punch my boss, you know, <laughs> just because I'm not in good headspace right now. But that's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. And so I want to know what does it mean, not what does it mean to me. I want to know what does it mean. Why did they write that? And I'm not talking about going to seminary and getting a theology degree. Or I'm talking about simple, basic, like could I memorize a verse? Could I factually learn? So we've been doing this um, around my house this year. I challenged my, my daughter. I don't think she's in here. I'm embarrassing her a little bit. But uh, my oldest daughter, Sadie, I said, you know, hey, you're in middle school now. I think it's time to start trying to develop um, some time, you know, some, some Bible reading, time with God in the morning. So I'm going to wake you up a little bit early. And she's been awesome with it. And, and, uh, and so we, we get together in the morning, and we're reading through the book of John together. And, uh, and so we will read the words. She'll read it out loud. Sometimes I'll read, but most of the time I want her to read it. And then the, the learning God's truth for us in this process is very simple. Now that we've read it, what did we learn? 
Not some, it doesn't have to be some deep spiritual truth. Just what did we learn? So, for example, uh, most recently we read uh, John chapter 1, verses 19 through 35. This is where Jesus chooses his first disciples, sets of brothers. So it was Philip and Nathaniel and Andrew and Peter. And so we got done reading, and I said, okay, close the Bible. Tell me the names of the first disciples that Jesus asked to follow him. I don't remember. Well, let's go back and find it. All right, close your Bible. Tell me the names of the first disciples that Jesus followed. That may not feel like it speaks to my spirit. You know, that may not feel like I saw, you know, had lightning. But I'm not concerned about that. I'm just learning the Bible. The, the four disciples, Philip, Andrew, Nathaniel, Peter. Like, I want uh, a couple of days earlier, we read John 1, um, verses 1 through 18. And we read it and it talks about that, you know, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and all stuff. And so, John 1, 12 is one of my favorite verses. So, I wanted her to learn it. And I said, okay, let's memorize John 1, 12. But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Say that back to me. But to all who believe and accept, you know, she would fumble around. All right, let's try it again. Uh, let's, hey, when you go home from school, I'm going to ask you. And then I actually saw her in between service. And I thought, well, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Does my daughter actually remember the verse? And, you know, so I'm like, tell it to me. And she's like, I mean, she butchered it. it was right. but, but we're getting there. Like, those are, we got a couple of the words in there, right? And, but the point is we just are wanting to learn it. I'm not worried about the spiritual depth of it. Can you just tell me what John 1.12 says? Do you know the 12 disciples' names? Do you know the names of the books? What are the four gospels? Like, I just want to learn it. Jesus turned water into wine. What, you know? Why did he do that? Why was he at that wedding? Like, I'll, I'll just, like, I'm not fancy with it. I'll just be asked, like, Google, why was Jesus at the wedding? You know, like, and most of the time I'm going to find the answer. Like, all the websites aren't legit, but the first two or three are probably solid. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to find those. If there's, like, weird flames on the page, that's not, that's not the one you want to go to. Go to a different one. Check the domain name, Okay. But I think sometimes we overthink it. Like, well, you're a preacher. Of course you want to learn what it means. I'm not talking about, like, the Hebrew or the Greek. I'm talking about, you know, who was the second disciple? Or, or what, you know, what happened in the book of Acts or in this chapter or this verse. And the reason this is so important is because we don't want to just read it. We want the Bible to get into us and into our heart. Because, like, we know that Jesus, when he defeated the temptation from the devil, like, the way he defeated the temptation is to quote the Bible. To, to Satan. And so I don't want to just go on what I feel. I want to go on what I know is true. And I want those words and, 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 and truths to be in, in my heart. And so this, I'm, I'm just giving you my routine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. For me, that's morning time. Because I know if I don't get up before the kids, I'm not going to find quiet the rest of the day. And, and I want to kind of start my day with God. Again, it doesn't have to be that way. But I like that way. I'm going to open the Bible before I ask for anything. I'm just going to open the Bible. I'm just going to read. I use a plan. I'm just going to read through it. Read a little bit of the Old Testament, a little Psalm, a little Proverbs, a little New Testament. Right now, I'm in Ezekiel, which is, you know, challenging. And uh, uh, Psalm 128 recently and and Proverbs 28 and uh, James chapter 3. That was my last. I'm just going to read it. I just want to read it. I'm just trying to consume it. Then I want to learn it. And the last thing that I like to do, this is my routine, is I want to listen for God's voice. And this is where now I'm going to step more into that kind of spiritual, supernatural type of exchange. First, I was just reading it and I was learning it. But now that I have been in a relationship with this living, breathing word of God, 
What are you trying to say to me, God? Okay, yeah, David killed Goliath. That, here's what it means. But now, what does it mean to me? Why was, I, why was I reading this today? Of all the parts I could have read, why this part today? Why does this keep coming up? What are you trying to say to me? I just read these scriptures on forgiveness, and I know that I got some beef with, you know, my mother-in-law. And it, are you trying to say to me, God, like that I need to settle that and forgive someone and make peace there? Or this is where, for me, I'm going to start praying and, you know, talking to God about the things that are on my heart and the things that I'm feeling and the things that I'm struggling with. Or I'm just trying to listen. And in 36 years, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I can tell you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times that I've felt like God was nudging, prompting, pushing, you know. And this is what happens when we are reading God's word and learning God's truth. But I don't want to start at number three, because if I start at number three, then I can just make anything sound God like God and make anything sound spiritual. But after I've been in God's word and after I've learned his truth, then I want to know, like, what are you saying to me, God? On your uh, sermon, God, I listed some questions. I read this in a book a couple of years ago, and it's something that I've used um, that I think is just a great, a great way. But German minister George Mueller, he was known for his prayer life. And so what he would do, similar to this model that I gave you that I like to use, read and learn and then listen, the way that he would kind of start that listening part is he would ask these six questions after he read something. Is there any example for me to follow? Did I just read something today that I need to copy what they did? Is there a command for me to obey? Did Jesus or somebody say to do something and I know I need to do it? Is there an error for me to avoid? This just gave me a what not to do. This just gave me a this is what wise people do and I don't want to be a fool. So is there something that I need to avoid? Is there any sin for me to forsake? I'm feeling incredibly convicted as I'm spending time with God because I know I need to repent of something in my life. Is there a promise for me to claim? I love this. I've got, I got all kinds of circles in my Bible of promises, a lot of them about my family and my kids. And like I'll read it, and I'm like, I don't even know if that's for me, God, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to claim that one. You know, I'm going to steal that one. And God, I pray that that's true for me. You know, I, I, it, says, uh, it says that... Um, uh, Joseph, I can't, now I've gone blank. But anyway, you know, lived a long life and got to see uh, three generations. I circled that one day. I was like, I probably won't make it to three. Maybe, I don't know, God, but I'm, I'm, I would love to experience that, God. I, 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 I claim that promise. And then, is there any new thoughts about God is the last question where, um, man, have you expanded my mind? Have you expanded my thinking? I never knew that. I've read that before, but I never saw it that way. And now I've got this new thought about God. These are just a couple of examples, but we're not just like, you know, looking in the sky for a sign. We're looking to God's word. We're getting alone. We're getting quiet. We're getting simple. We're getting honest. We're reading the words of God. We're learning the truths of God. And then we're listening for the voice of God and, and what begins to happen when you consistently create a routine to do this is you begin to sense the grace of God leading you, nudging you, prompting you, pushing you, speaking to you in your life. And you don't have to create a Facebook page called, you know, IHeardFromGod.com. You just go to your job. You just go to your friends. You just be a great mom, be a great salesperson. And then tomorrow get up and 
Go find him. Jump in his lap again. And just keep sensing his grace over and over and over again. So here's the question. What is your routine to hear God this year? Is your plan just to hope a Bible falls off a bookshelf? Is your plan just to come to church and hope that you see a light? Or are you committed to creating a routine to hear from God? I'm not saying that you'll never miss a day. I miss days all the time. Quite honestly, I'm terrible on the weekends. Like I just, I don't, I don't hardly ever pray and read my Bible on, on, on Saturdays. And, and on Sundays, I guess I'm preaching, but I don't, you know. And so I fall behind. I catch up on Mondays and Tuesdays. You know, that's kind of what I do. And I, there are times where I get in a funk or I'm on vacation or I'll miss a week or two or three. Or, but you know what? Every time I search for God in the Bible, I find him. And he promised us, if you will seek me, you will find me. So if you will create a place to meet God, I promise you God will meet you there. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus and for the Holy Spirit that you didn't just, you didn't just save us and then leave us to drift on our own, not knowing what to do or where to go. But God, you gave us Jesus and you gave us the Holy Spirit to help us and to lead us and to speak to us and to pour into us. And so, God, I pray that you would give us the courage and the inspiration today to to create a routine, to find a time and find a place, not to try to overdo it, not to try to oversell it, not to try to overhype it, but just a really simple, quiet place out of the way where we can be honest and experience you and hear from you. God, don't let us be those types of people who want to be like super hyper spiritual but have no practical, consistent routine of spending time with you, God. You want to speak to us and to pour into us. And so, God, will you help us to create a place to meet with you? No guilt, no shame, no pressure. Just the grace of God helping us to find you every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.